We're going to continue tonight with our series. We're talking about the foundation of an effective prayer life. This is week seven. This whole series, you know, you've heard me say this, that the Holy Spirit wants to, he wants to teach us the principles of prayer, the mechanics of prayer, how those principles work, and really the heart and the spirit of prayer. You need all three. Well, we've been really talking about, you know, a, a little bit about principles and mechanics, a lot about the heart and spirit of prayer. While we stick with the spirit of prayer and all of this, we're going to start really focusing now mechanics and principles. So we want, we want you to know the principles of prayer, but we want you to know how they work in your life. Because here's the thing, prayer, as you know, it's communing with God right? It's just, it's inviting him in to your life, inviting him in to the earth to bring days of heaven into the earth. God wants to solve every problem, everything you ever face. He wants to be the one that comes in. He wants to be your provider. What he wants you to do is rest in him. Just work out what he's working in. So we need to learn how to pray. If there's one thing growing up in a church, everybody you know, I, I grew up not knowing how to pray. Uh, just, you know, sometimes when you'd pray in groups or whatever, I'd kind of stay away from that because I didn't want to expose myself. I really didn't know how to pray. Growing up in the denomination that I grew up in, you know, pretty much every prayer was, well, just pray. Whatever you pray, just end it with, if it be thy will, and then you'll be okay. But then I found out later on, no, that's, that's just not right. That's not praying effectively. And, and so a lot of believers... They don't want to come to somebody and say, hey, you know, I've been in the church 30 years. Can you teach me how to pray? But in their life, their life, in the wake of their life is all these unanswered prayers. Well, we want to do away with all that. God wants every prayer. His answer to every prayer is yes, and so be it unto you. So we need to learn how to pray effectively so that you're getting 100% answers to all your prayers. So now that we're going into the principles, I want to start talking tonight, and we're going to take our time. You know, I know it messes with my personality just a little bit to flip to 2020 and still be talking about prayer. I might have to change and start a new series on prayer just to appease myself. I don't know. You know, I don't know what I'll do, but we're going to continue on and uh, we're going to talk tonight about how to pray about your needs, the needs of your life. And because the Bible talks about it. And this will really, this will go into talking about the, one of the types of prayer that we're going to really go into, and that's the prayer of faith. So a lot of it will overlap, but I want to spend a lot of time on this. So I want to start out in prayer where Jesus started out. So go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Matthew 5, 44, this is the first recorded thing that Jesus taught on the subject of prayer. Okay, so we're going to start there. Now you got to understand, as we look at this, we're going to really break down because we're going to be talking about scripture that Jesus taught, but we need to remember when he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to them a lot about how to pray, they're still under the old covenant, okay? So things, 
we can learn some principles that apply to the new covenant believer, but we have to learn how to rightly divide all of this so it makes sense. So we're just going to take our time and, and really break into it. I've got 17 pages of notes. I was wanting to play the game where, well, I don't get to preach next Wednesday or the next Wednesday because it's Christmas and New Year's, so I should get to preach for three hours. But, you know, parents might be going, parent, whatever. Parents, <laughs> parents are going, no, don't do that to me, right? And I won't. So we'll just, we'll just take our time. It says here in Matthew 5, 44, Jesus said, but I say unto you, well, unless, you know, Teresa and I are going to stay here till like 11. If you want us now, I'm just, yeah, you could stay too, right? There we go. It says here, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Now, this is the first thing that Jesus says about prayer. First thing, love your enemies. Here's a good one. Bless them that curse you. Doesn't your flesh love that one? Have you ever had somebody really curse you, do something, and you're just like, Sir, how can I bless you? Right? Yeah. That has to come out of your spirit because your flesh wants to do the word in another way where it says lay hands on them suddenly, right? And it's, it's taken out of context. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Wow. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. See, when somebody curses you, it, it's, that's not good. When somebody hates you, that's a little bit worse because hate kind of goes on. It could be a multi-thing, right? But then it says there's other people that despitefully use you and persecute you. This means there's, there's things that are ongoing, well, you got to go beyond doing them good, right? You got to go on beyond blessing them. You need to pray for them because this is going to help you stay with an attitude of forgiveness in your life. Okay? So Jesus, he's saying, pray for those that wrong you. Bless them if they hate you. Pray for them. If it's ongoing, they're despitefully using you and persecuting you. Have you ever worked with somebody or had a boss that maybe was out to get you? Well, you need to not only do good and bless them, but you need to pray, right? So this is a huge one. The reason why Jesus is talking about that is because having an effective prayer life in praying for your needs, we're doing it under the context of this, you have to maintain a forgiving heart. Not a denying heart. Because we're really good at this one. Yep, I forgive them. And, and, we just, and what we really do with our heart, we violate our heart because we write them off. No, 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 you haven't forgave them. Right? Now, here's the other end of that ditch you got to be careful of. Sometimes you run into them at a store. And when you see them, immediately your flesh might go, Oof. don't worry about that. doesn't mean you've yielded to that. Just put it down. How do you put it down? Father, I just pray for them. I pray you bless them. 
I pray increase in their life. Whatever they've done, I pray that you do not hold that against them. I would encourage every one of you, this will help your prayer life tremendously. If anybody ever hates you, curses you, despitefully uses you, does all of these things persecuting you, you remit their sins. The Bible says those sins that we remit will be remitted. Father, I'm praying for them right now in the name of Jesus, your word says, as, as your child, I have authority to remit their sins that they did against me. So hold it not against them. Don't allow that sin to produce any death in their life. Even as you're praying this, your flesh will be like, well, maybe a little bit. No, no, but none. Because when you yield to the love of God, it'll just, what it will do is it'll start pouring out of you. And all of a sudden you'll look at them different because you'll see that they're not the enemy. The enemy's always the enemy. Amen? So you got to maintain a forgiving heart. So let's look at the second thing that Jesus talked about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through verse 8. Look at what it says here. He says this in verse 5, Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, or most assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. Or in other words, Jesus is saying, when you pray, do not make a public show of your prayer. Right? If you've ever, I remember when I went to college, first semester of college, there were some people in almost every class, there's at least one who wants to show everybody how smart they are. Have you ever had that? And, and everybody's like, just, you could feel it. Okay, well, somebody bring some duct tape and shut this person up. Have you ever prayed in a group and somebody's trying to show everybody how much they know about prayer? Jesus is saying, don't make a public show of this stuff. Remember, all effective prayer is stirred by the Spirit, right? None of, us, none of us can take any credit for our prayer life. Amen? Don't draw attention to yourself when you pray, in other words, is what Jesus is saying. He's also saying this, don't allow the purpose of your prayer to be that you're seen of men. So this is very important. Notice, first thing he says about prayer is forgive. Maintain a forgiving heart. The second thing he says about prayer is don't let your purpose ever be to be seen of men. That's not why you talk to God. In other words, as you're communing with God, he's like, I don't want you to be superficial. Right? I don't want to come over here and talk to you, Teresa, but what I'm really doing is trying to impress Samantha. I mean, could, has, have you ever had somebody do that? And you're just kind of like, ew. Well, what if you knew everything about the heart of everybody, like God? In other words, God's wanting, he's going, maintain a pure heart before me, right? Because he wants intimate fellowship with you. So then it goes on in verse 6, but you, when you pray, enter into your closet. 
And, and we know this word can be translated bedroom, but really the, the literal translation would be inner chamber. Enter into your inner chamber, and when you've shut the door, notice you have to enter into this intimate place, and then you have to shut the door. So you shut the door, pray to your Father. Now when Jesus would have said this, everybody would have went, what did he just say, pray? He just called God his Father. Now in our Christian environment, we, we go, well, of course, he's my heavenly Father. But the Jewish people did not know God as their heavenly Father. He was, he was Jehovah. He's Almighty God. They are his servants. They are not his children. They are his chosen people, but they're not his children. All of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. Look at what he's doing here. He's talking to them about intimacy. And that would bleed right over into new covenant prayer with us. Forgiving heart, pure conversation, intimacy. When you go to prayer, you're not going to some taskmaster trying to talk him into something. You need to know you're going to your father who everything that you're going to ask him for, he's already given you. He already provided it before you ever even were born, let alone before you asked him. Right? The Bible talks all about this. He's the God who wants you to have it, and he knows how you will get it and have it in your life in this realm is you've got to maintain a love walk and you've got to maintain purity so that you can be sensitive for the Holy Spirit to lead you. So it says here, pray to your Father, which is in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. So in other words, you should do more praying on your own versus in front of others. Okay? Does it mean that you never pray in front of others? Well, no, absolutely not. Corporate prayer is a wonderful thing. But we're talking about praying for your needs. That's real important. Most of that should just be done in your closet alone. Right? And I'm telling you, it gets really good when you, when nobody knows about a major need in your life and all of a sudden it shows up in your life and everybody's like, wow, and you're just smiling because you're like, you're so good, right? So this is awesome. Make prayer a private matter between you and your heavenly Father. Keep your needs between you and your heavenly Father. You don't have to go outside there for your needs. You know, it's wonderful if you know somebody's, you know, if somebody's going in for a procedure of some kind or they're, they're doing something and they're believing God for something. Man, when you hear about it, you're like, hey, I'll stand with you. I'll believe with you. That's great. You know, when you hear that. And, and, and I'll tell you, if somebody does that, then keep them advised of that. Those are people that are close to you or whatever. But overall, praying for your needs, make it more of a private matter. In other words, New Testament believer in this realm, be led by the Spirit of God who you share your prayer life with. Be Holy Spirit led with that, okay? That's really what I'd like you to get out of this. Verse 7, But when you pray, 
Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So vain repetitions, what's a repetition? Something that you do over and over and over. What's something that's vain? It's basically worthless. So in other words, there is a lot of people that pray and they pray over and over and over and it's vain. It doesn't really produce anything, right? So it says these people, they believe they're going to be heard because of their much speaking. So in other words, be careful about using repetitions in your prayers when praying about your needs. To be honest with you, if you're praying about your needs, should you ever use repetition ever? No. Because the Bible, in reality, and we're going to see this very clearly, when you pray anything according to his will, all you guys know this scripture, he hears you. And if you know he hears you, Whatever, whatsoever you ask, you already know that you have it. So, so this is why you don't need to use repetitions. Don't keep asking over and over again for the same thing. When praying for your needs, that's a real short prayer. Right? I mean, let's say you need money. That doesn't take you long. See, if you really look at all the needs in your life, I don't care if you're sitting here going, Tony, I'm starting out. I've messed up everything in my life. Okay, well, it might take you maybe 30 minutes once you're prepared to pray. But 30 minutes is a long time. Because basically, if you listed every need you have in your life, and then you get some help with some people that know the word and go, okay, can you help me find two to three scriptures that, te that tells me that God already gave me what I need, right? So if I, if I need to be healed, great, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Galatians 3, 13, right? Here's another one, Psalm 107, 20, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Psalm 103. I mean, you know, all you need is two or three. And now two or three witnesses, every word will be established. So if you list all of your needs and put two or three scriptural references underneath them, and now you start meditating on those scriptures until you're stirred, and then finally now you go to God and you're no longer, oh, Father, please heal me. No, you're not. That's not what that word ask means. It means I'm calling for I'm making a demand for my healing. I'm requiring it. Father, I require my healing. But you're sure now, I mean, if every arena of your life is messed up, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And then once, once you're done with that, now, Father, I just believe that I receive all these things. I thank you that you've heard me. I thank you that you ha I have them now. I thank you that you're so good. And now you can move on. And in your future... Whenever it comes up and you hit your mind, Father, I just thank you. I thank you so much that I have that. Right? And so we're going to talk more about this, but this is what he's saying. Make it short. Verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them. 
That's a little wordy, but it basically he's saying, don't be like them. For your father knows. Now look at what he said. First of all, he told them, pray to your father. They're like, what? He's our father? Now, there's, now he's, he's starting to expand who the father is. Your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. In other words, God wants you to ask him for things that you need. So don't go super spiritual on the other end and go, well, it's just not about me, right? I can't tell you how many people, it, it, you laugh at them. Oh, listen, you know, that whole prosperity thing. Listen, I don't need a lot. I just need enough just to get by. And you feel like just, because they're, they're acting all holy and you're like, oh, you selfish, self-centered person. Like your whole world is about you. No, no, you need money, not for you, for others. What about other people? What about the, the people that have not heard the gospel? What if God wants to do this or do that, right? I got to tell you, when I go to bed at night, when I lay down in my bed, many times what I'm thinking about is, wow, I've got a refrigerator full of food. I'm laying in this really comfortable bed with heat on. And I'm thinking about all the people in our city, kids that are going to bed hungry, kids that don't have a bed, kids that would give anything to just have a sleeping bag to keep them warm in, in our city, right? Let alone around the world. So this is, this is the second thing that Jesus said about prayer. Isn't that interesting? So now let's keep going. Verse 9 through verse 13. Now... We call this the Lord's Prayer. Boy, is this a prayer that has been blown completely out of proportion. There are some churches that every time you come to church, you, it, it tells you right here, don't use vain repetitions, but I'm telling you this. I mean, we've had a person leave our church. I think in the first or second year of our church, left our church, went to lunch with them. I'm leaving the church because you will not pray the Lord's Prayer in every service. I, I told him, I'm like, yeah, we're, we won't ever, right? To be honest with you, I, I go, I mean, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus really called it the Disciples' Prayer, right? And, and actually, this is how the disciples were to pray before Jesus went to the cross. But now I want to break this prayer down because people have a lot of, oh my gosh, Pastor Tony just blasphemed the Holy Spirit by talking about the Lord's Prayer. No, no, no. It's great. We, we can learn some principles. But this prayer was not given to a New Testament believer. Right? So let's look at this. Jesus gave this prayer to his disciples, not the New Testament church. This prayer does not contain many of the elements that we're taught to use as prayers in the New Testament. However, though, there are principles in this prayer that we can learn, especially in the context of praying for our needs. So we're going to go through this. You guys okay? So actually, oh my gosh, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer. You guys okay with this? For the purpose of studying. But before I do, hold your finger there and go to John 16. And we're just going to jump and say something that we've said before about New Testament prayer in praying for your needs. So this will be a big nugget. This is actually one of the two foundations of New Testament prayer. Remember the first foundation is John 15, 7. 
If you abide in him, and if you're born again, you abide in him. So you're already, you're halfway there. And his word abides in you. If you choose to allow his word to dwell in you, you'll ask whatever you will, and it'll be done. That's one foundation. This is the second foundation, John 16, 23. It says, and in that day, in other words, the day after the resurrection, when Jesus came out of the tomb, that's when the church age began. Or in other words, in that day, the church age, you shall ask me nothing. This word ask means you'll question me nothing. In other words, literally it says, in that day you will ask me no more questions. I bet Jesus, after three years of ministry, is going, Father, thank you. Okay, guys, here's the deal. After I come out of the grave, you're not going to ask me any more questions. Praise God right? So, but this is what he's saying, but he says, but most assuredly, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask, different Greek word ask, again, whatsoever you shall call for, require, or make a demand for of, my, of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. In other words, you're going to start praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, that's New Testament, okay? So this is big. Now, everybody sits there and goes, yeah, pastor, I got that. I mean, why? I mean, it's Wednesday night. I worked hard all day. Why in the world do you have to go through that again? Because people still don't get it. Because look at what it says. You'll ask the Father in my name, and he will give it you. And that's where everybody tilts. Well, I haven't seen it doesn't seem like it's happening. Why are my prayers not working? Well, time out. He said, you ask in his name, you ask the Father in his name, and the Father will give it to you. The end. This word's settled in heaven. There's no gray area. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when prayer gets good is when you're in that inner chamber and you just ask, and then all of a sudden you're shouting because you're like, wow, I have it. Even though you don't see anything, you don't feel anything, but you see it here. That's where it all happens first. Verse 24, hitherto or up till now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. In other words, New Testament, pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And he answers. Doesn't say he sometimes answers, right? But notice it didn't say, and you shall have it within 24 hours. Darn it. I wish he would have said that, right? But don't worry about that. He placed something on the inside of you. It's a spiritual force. It's so powerful. It's from him. It's called patience. And so what that does is it will, it's a spiritual force. It'll rise out of your spirit and it'll grab hold of your mind and undergird your mind to keep your eyes on Jesus or on the word until everything changes in your life to come in line with it. So it doesn't matter the time. You have it when you pray and then you'll see it in your life. So let's keep going. So now jump back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. Here we are, the Lord's Prayer. It says, After this manner, therefore, pray, the, pray ye. Hmm. 
We have churches that every Sunday, their liturgy is they pray the prayer. But Jesus said, not only don't use vain repetitions, but he didn't even say, pray this prayer. He said, after this manner, pray. Or in other words, pray this way. Use this as a template. Grab the principles out of it, but it's not saying just pray this prayer only, right? After this manner, pray. Not pray this over and over and over. And then it starts out with our Father. Not Almighty God, He's our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This word hallowed, in the Greek, it means holy, just, and blameless. The word just means what he does for one, he does for everyone. Which means my father is no respecter of persons. This word hallowed is a form of worship. In other words, after this manner pray, go to him in this inner chamber and worship him for who he is. You are holy, you're just, and you are blameless. Isn't that awesome? This is how it starts out. Holy be thy name. In other words, the New Testament principle or the New Covenant principle is prayer is to be based on our relationship with the Father. God answers prayer based on our relationship with him. Why? Because he loves us. Why did God do everything he did? For God so loved the world. He loved you and I when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Isn't that amazing? Why in the world he sent Jesus to die for us? Then, you don't think he would see to it that everything that Jesus died for, he would produce in your life as his child? He's, he never withholds. I love that. Prayer begins with worship. I worship him for his greatness. We worship him for who he is. We worship him for what he has done. This is why worship will always be, I mean, it's, this is a place of repair, and worship is a foundation of that, of that peace. The, we, will, we will always, always be one, a church that worships him. Wait, wait and see how our worship, how the ministry explodes, because we're going to honor God. We know it's all about relationship with him. Verse 10, thy kingdom come. Can you pray that? You really, as a new covenant believer, know, because why? His kingdom has come. Jesus sent out the 70 and said, guys, here's your message. You go into this town and you say, the kingdom has now, the kingdom of God has come near you. And then heal all the sick, cast out all the de demons. If they reject you, shove the dust off your feet and then go on to the next one. The kingdom is here. So we can thank God, right? But we need to realize now in New Testament times, the kingdom's here. So now, as a New Testament believer, now that I know the kingdom of God is here, now I know his will, his will that is done in heaven, it's his will that that be done on the earth. It's amazing that the same 
ministers who will pray this prayer every service will fight you on and tell you God has not provided healing for everybody. And you feel like going, so in heaven, are, are there mansions where people can't pay their electric bill? But others, it's paid, but, and, and then, you know, in heaven, you know, we've got some people in vibrant health, but other people not. And, and you tell me it's not God's will that all be blessed and healed and strong? Well, but if I ask them, do you think everybody's blessed, healed, and strong in heaven? Oh, yeah. Well, what, was Jesus just joking? Right? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the new covenant principle here is keep your eyes on the fact that the kingdom of God has come and also on the fact that in a very short period of time, Jesus is returning. That's right. do, do you know like this week, there were prayers literally prayed on the Temple Mount for the first time in I think decades. It's amazing. It's amazing what's happening in the world right now, setting up the return of Christ. It's amazing. In other words, New Testament, New Covenant principle from here also, pray God's word, which is his will. Okay? 1 John 5, 14. I said it a moment ago. I'm going to say it probably three or four times tonight. If you ask anything, this is the confidence that I have in him. If I ask anything, if I call for, require, or make a demand for anything that is his will, he hears me. And if I know he hears me, I know I've got the petitions that I've asked of him. When we put God in remembrance of his word, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have it. I believe I receive, thank you, Father, by faith I have it right now. I believe I'm healed. I believe I'm strong. I believe I'm free financially. Why? Why can I say that? Because that's what he said. When you pray, see, always remember this. When you pray in faith for your needs, you enter into his rest. That, and that's what prayer is designed to do. Man, if, you were to, if, if God were to manifest himself right here, right now, every one of us would be like, wow, I am just not stressed. I'm at peace. I'm at rest. Guys, we're, we're his children. We can experience his presence all day, every day if we want. I mean, have you ever come into the presence of God? I mean, I mean, all of us have here, even tonight. The presence of God is here. You're just like, everything's okay. Right? You could, you could experience that. You are supposed to experience that your whole life. James, uh, stay, stay at, the, at the Lord's Prayer, but in James chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, you lust and you have not, you kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And as you study this, 
you see that the wrong desire that this person had, it was rooted in self-gratification. It's all about me. That will get you nowhere in prayer. Wow, that rhymes. That's cool. It's not about us. Do you know even God meeting your needs is not really about us? It's really to show the world how good he is. Right? Because he doesn't want to meet your needs like he doesn't want to meet your needs according to the world. He wants to meet the basic needs of your life according to his riches and glory. Now, now, okay, he's got streets that are pure gold. That's a little bit extravagant. I wonder if his definition of meeting your bills might be yours and maybe several other people's. Right? Just to show himself strong. So this is why we need to grow in this area. Because I, I, I got to tell you, I, I heard this about Keith Moore years ago. When he was at Rama. before he left, he was sowing more money into Rama than they were paying him to be a teacher. I, that's our goal. We can't wait until there's multiple income streams from him that, that literally we're, we're sowing more into Faith Family Church than we're being paid. That would be awesome. And God's no respecter of persons. There is no fixed income with him. So let's jump back to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Look at this. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice it doesn't say, give us this day bread. It says, give us this day our bread. In other words, the bread's already ours, and, and we're saying, hey, Father, can I have some of my bread? I call for it, I require it, I make a demand for it. It's my bread. Jesus, can you pass the biscuits? Right? Give us this day our daily bread. Interesting with this is notice that God doesn't automatically give you what you need. Now, this is big. You have to ask him. In other words, you have to call for it, require it, make a demand for it. Why? Because you receive everything through faith and he can't violate your will. So if you don't call for it, what's the number one reason why people have problems in praying for their needs and the prayer of faith? It's because they don't think they're worthy. Because they spend all day, every day beating themselves up. In other words, they're making their prayer life all about their behavior instead of all about his love for them. And you get stuck that way. God wants to move you away from that. He's our provider. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this really exposes Old Testament, right? This is verse 12. Jump to verse 14. This is forgiveness under the Old Covenant. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's forgiveness under the old covenant. Do you know how many of my sins were forgiven after I forgave somebody who wronged me? No, not one of them. No, all my sins were forgiven 2,000 years ago before I was even born. So what do I confess? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Well, my, Romans tells me my spirit can't sin. So I willingly have to allow the sin nature in my flesh operate. So I do sinful or unrighteous behavior. So when I go to my father, I confess sinful or unrighteous behavior. Not nature, because I can't sin. My spirit can't sin. Paul said that. That tilts everybody. As a matter of fact, the Judaizers got really mad. They tried to stone Paul. They'd come right behind him. Could you imagine if after I left every Sunday, somebody came right behind me and said, hey, uh, don't listen to that guy. That's what they would do. Because they're like, he's given everybody a license to sin. But no, the word of God was showing people the road to walk holy. When you understand what God's done for you. So forgiveness, what is forgiveness under the new covenant? It says this, Ephesians 4, verse 32, this is new covenant forgiveness. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath, past tense, forgiven you. So in other words, we don't forgive those who wrong us. No, 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 we forgive them the way Christ forgave me. It's unconditionally. No, did you even ask God to forgive you before he forgave you? If you did, that's a miracle because you weren't here 2,000 years ago. He forgave you before you even asked him. That is awesome. In other words, child of God, forgive everybody who wrongs you, hates you, persecutes you, despitefully uses you before they even ask you. And forgive them unconditionally the way God forgave you. Isn't that amazing? And here's the thing, well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can, because Romans 8, 5 the moment you got born again, a new spirit was put inside of you. The Holy Spirit took up residence. And the first thing he did, see, he preaches with a water bottle. But his bottle contains the agape love of God and he poured it forth. Don't worry, church. I'm not going to pour Evian. I don't even know what the name of this is. Water on our carpet anymore. I've learned my lesson. So uh, we'll get some cheaper water for that. But, but then he just, he sheds, you guys finally got that. She sheds that love of God abroad in our heart. Your spirit man saturated in the unconditional love of God. You could forgive anybody for anything. Yeah. New covenant principle. Here it is. Make sure there is no unforgiveness in your heart at all. It will hinder your prayers. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The CEV version, the contemporary, or contemporary English version, it says it this way, keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. Well, we know as a New Testament believer, 
What does Colossians 1.13 say? I said it earlier today. Who hath delivered us from the delegated influence of darkness, we've already been delivered from evil and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. So why do we still feel bound? The, the, any bondage in your life is just an illusion. It's an illusion of bondage that continues in your mind until the, until the Holy Spirit brings revelation to your heart of his word that whoever the Son has made free is free. And he'll give you a revelation and you'll realize, I don't care what has happened in your past, you will realize that illusion of bondage is just in your mind and your Father will pull that out. And, and you could walk completely free. We are a people with no past. Isn't that good news? Old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. Yeah, but you don't understand. I have, I have a financial record of a bankruptcy. Yes, and as a child of God, that does not change anything in the Word of God. God will still... Oh, it might mess you up a little bit in the Babylonian system, which might end up being a blessing in disguise, but it'll never stop you from prospering. Yeah, but you don't understand, I have a criminal record. Yeah, in the world, man, that could stop you, but not in the kingdom of God. That has, it will never affect anything. Yeah, but you don't understand, Tony, I understand, but I was saved before I messed up. Well, that's impossible because you're thinking, Western mind, all the scriptures about salvation, I was saved, I'm being saved, and I'm always saved. Behold, I make everything new. My spirit man's renewed all day long, every day. So my sins were all washed away, every one of them, 2,000 years ago. Every sin I've ever committed in my past, anything I'd ever do in my future, it's already been paid for. So I'm a person with no past. And everybody's going, I mean, do you see, can you feel that? That's that, own, that's that sin consciousness. It, it gets stuck in there where I'm like, well, wait, no, no, that's too good to be true. Yeah, this whole deal's too good to be true. This is, we got God. We got all of him, and all we had to do was just believe that he came to this earth and died for our sins. And we were actually made his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? It says here in James, where, you know, like in Matthew, how it says, and, and lead us not into temptation. Well, now James, to a New Testament believer, brings light on this thing. He says in James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. And then it says here, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In other words, end new covenant principle, end your prayer with praise and worship. So you're beginning it with praise and worship, you're ending it. That's a new testament. You could carry those principles into the new covenant. In other words, your praise is to balance your prayer. If, if these are your prayers and this is your praise, you're probably not going to walk in a whole lot. God's probably not going to be able to get a whole lot over to you. But boy, when your praise gets up here with the requests... Now you're going to see a lot of stuff happen in your life. Why? Because God's withholding? Nope. He's not withholding anything. 
He's actually given it all. We just can't lay hold of it without that right heart. In praying for your needs, if you leave here with nothing else, a foundational part is we walk in love and we walk by faith. We have to know who we are. So if you look at these principles from the Lord's Prayer, these are the same principles that you see in the prayer of faith. You just add praying in the name of Jesus to them. And you, you're very close. You have a lot of the same principles. So in summary, and we'll close with this, and we'll go on to, we'll just keep going the next time because we have a lot more to talk about with needs. The summary of what we've said so far is we pray privately for our needs. You pray once for your needs. You make your prayer short. And you base your prayer on God's word. And then you thank him for the answer. Let me say that again. You pray privately. You pray once. You don't have to ask God over and over again. Right? You make your prayers short. You base your prayers on God's word. And then you just thank him and praise him for the answer. So we're going to go into some steps to, to answered prayer in relation to these needs. But since you're here, this is a double bonus. I'm not going to teach on it. I'm just going to give you the five steps. And you could wonder about them for three weeks, and then we'll come back and fill in the blanks. So step number one, I'd write this down. Real simple. You must know it is God's will for what you're asking him for. Right? you got to know it's his will. Hallelujah. Step number two, you must know that God, is, he hears you when you pray. You have to know that. That's step number two. Step number three is you, know, you must know that God immediately answers you when you pray. Doesn't wait he doesn't say, sometimes I say yes, sometimes I say no, sometimes I say wait. No, the Bible says you believe that you receive when you pray and you'll have. Okay, so that's step number three. Step number four, you ask God for what you desire and then you believe that you receive that when you pray. You ask God for what you desire and then you believe that you receive when you pray. Man, there's so many good things I want to say to that. Step number five is a big step. You speak as a result of what you believe. That's step number five. So when I get up, when I say amen, now when I go walking through my life, I speak and I act based on what I believe happened. Right? You See, you can't fake that. Well, there was something I wrote down the Lord gave me at the end of this. I, almost, I might have to read this to you. Yeah, I'm going to leave you with this. The last thing. Things that you have to know. You must know that it's God's will for what you're praying for. Right? I just said that. I've been saying that all night. So in your needs, you've got to know it's his will. You have to know that he hears you when you pray. Isn't that funny? That's another step. You must know that he immediately answers you when you pray. 
and you must speak as a result of what you believe. This is, this is a foundation, and we can get into some more of a mechanics of how these principles work as we bring a myriad of scriptures up to undergird this. But this will give you a good, a good, a good run. I, you could take this message. I would encourage you, invest 53 minutes. You know, maybe when Ryan edits it, it'll be even shorter. I don't know. But, you know, invest, sit down with a pad of paper and your Bible and listen to this message again and stop me so you could take notes. The Lord will speak to you. He'll tailor make the message for you. And then you, I would encourage you between now and the end of the year, get a list down of what you need in your life. And let's put that to bed. Let's believe that we receive and let's watch all of these things appear in our life in 2020. Do you believe that that could happen? Don't go another year. Do you realize how fast this year went? It just, right? Dwayne and Denise, you know, thank you guys so much. They make our whole place look so beautiful here. And, and when you guys were in here, you know, you have a few things going on running a company, but you still take the time, invest the money, do all this. You're here, and when I walked in here, saw you guys, we looked at each other, and I'm like, it seemed like you were just here a few weeks ago or a month ago. It goes so fast. Don't go another year without all your list prayed for. You're walking around thanking him for it. It's a foundation of your worship and praise to him. And you'll just put it in your Bible and then put the date down that you see it in your life. Put the date down that you believed you received. Put the date down that you see it. And then when you're discipling people, you open your Bible and go, listen, let me teach you how to get your needs met. This was my story. On this date, I believed that I received for my car to be paid off. And on this date, it was paid off. Right? And really, you know, God, God doesn't have 60 or 72-month financing. He can do a lot in 12 or 6. Right? Houses, he doesn't have 15, 30-year mortgages, 40-year mortgages, and definitely no adjustable rate ones. He can pay it off in a year or less or, or maybe a few years. You'll know where you are, but I'm telling you, it's not based on him. It's all based on you and I because he's already provided it. Amen?